Welcome to Exhibition and Xbox Podcast, episode number 12. My name is Samuel Adams, and this is a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the world of Xbox. This week, Halo Infinite Flighting is officially here. I've been playing the game a lot over the course of the past 24 hours or so. I've spent about 8 hours with the game, so I'm going to be diving in and giving you my personal impressions of it, and kind of some suggestions that I would have for the dev team. On top of that, we're talking about Forza Motorsport 7 finally getting delisted, the SSD situation surrounding the PlayStation 5, and more. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's go ahead and dive into what everyone's been talking about this week, the Halo Infinite test flight. It had a very rough start. It seems like the team at 343 had a lot of back-end issues they were working on leading up to the test flight itself, which did cause a few hours of a delay on Thursday evening when the test was going to go live. It ended up going live very late that night, and people have been playing it ever since. That is not to say this is without issues. Once again, this is not a beta. They hosted an entire event earlier in the week, kind of unveiling what you can expect from the test preview and showing off some of the elements of the game that players are going to be able to dive into over the course of the next few days and in the test flights in the weeks ahead. This has issues. It definitely does. It has issues in terms of weapon balance. It has issues in terms of performance on PC, which is something that the team has been addressing on social media and also discussing about how they're going to evolve the experience going forward. And on top of that, there are some glitches within the menus. I've reported, I think, seven or eight issues to the Halo Insider support team myself uh, because that's what this entire experience is meant for. It is meant to test out Halo Infinite and make sure that the team has a direction on how to address bugs and what to work on in the months ahead as they gear up for this holiday 2021 flight. Now, all of that being said, how is the game itself? It's wonderful. I love Halo Infinite so far, and it did take me a couple of matches to get into the flow of the game because it's not exactly what I was expecting. With 343, I personally was expecting something that was more akin to a Halo 4 style experience, but the best example that I've seen online is that this is something more akin to a combination of the movement styles between Halos 3 and 5. That's what you're going to be getting from Halo Infinite, and I actually appreciate that. One comment that I've seen is that sprint is barely a factor in Halo Infinite. It increases your movement by about a tenth of the speed as compared to normal walking. And at first, you think, wow, why would you even include a sprint mechanic in the game? But the more that you think about the style that I think 343 is trying to go for here, this is supposed to get back to the basics. This is supposed to get back to the roots of what Halo was back in 2001 and modernize that experience for a modern day, and Sprint was not included in Combat Evolved. Sprint was not really a big part of Halo until Reach, and even then it was more of a power-up than anything. Now you see Sprint becoming a bigger part of Halos 4 and 5, but I think that slowing the game down is a really important part of balancing the movement of the game and making sure that it feels good to play. In my opinion, Halo 4 was potentially pushing it, and it might have been a bit fast, but I love how Halo 4 played. Halo 5 was way too fast for me, way too much movement, uh, and of course that game came out at a very unique time where Call of Duty, uh, which many would consider to be the main competitor for Halo, was also experimenting with incredibly fast movement. 
So within Halo Infinite, they have kind of taken a step back and they've really slowed the pace of the gameplay down. Now, including this sprint mechanic in the game is appeasing fans of new shooters. To see that there is a sprint in the game is somewhat of a necessity in 2021. Now, the utility of the sprint, that's entirely up to the developers. The sprint feels like it works, it feels like a legitimate sprint function, and to some degree it is, but I don't think they need to speed up the game any more than they have right now. On top of that, the weapons feel very good. I'm a huge fan of the Heat Wave, that is a great shotgun if you can really get in on those close quarter combat scenarios. Uh, and on top of that, I think the battle rifle feels incredibly tight. Overwhelmingly, the mechanics of the game are standout. They are wonderful, and I'm loving what Halo Infinite is bringing so far. My big question, will this still launch in 2021? Personally, I think that it will, and I think that the team at 343 used this extra year very wisely after the delay from 2020, and the game is now in a state that is worth showing off. It's something that is worth bringing to the table, and it's something that is going to continue for years to come to be a very solid experience for Halo fans and for those that might be new to the world of Xbox. Remember, free-to-play multiplayer is a massive win for Xbox, and this game being good is incredibly important for the future of that uh, pull, the future of that uh, meaningful gameplay experience that you can only get on Xbox, and I think that from what I've seen so far in the Halo Infinite test, they are certainly achieving that. Now, in terms of what the devs could do better, there is certainly plenty there. First and foremost, stability. The game itself has crashed on me a couple of times. There are some strange issues where the settings menu will reset my control scheme without me prompting it to, and I'll have to go in and reset it to recon. There are plenty of little nitpicky things like that that do impact the overall experience, but as I said, it's important to report these, and I've reported these to the Halo Insider support team, and you should as well if you're diving in this weekend, uh, but overwhelmingly, Halo is back. This is a great feeling, great playing Halo game, and I think the team has done very well making sure that experience is second to none. Is there work to be done? Yes, but it's very solid so far. Now, one point that I do want to bring up. How do Master Chief Collection and Infinite coincide? How can they survive together, and can they? And after playing a few hours of Halo Infinite, as I said at the beginning of the show, I've probably spent about eight hours with the game, Halo Master Chief Collection and Infinite can completely and totally survive side by side. The old school Halo experiences and what Halo Infinite brings to the table are two incredibly different entities. I can easily see myself continuing to play the daily and weekly challenges in Master Chief Collection and continue to play the Halo Infinite daily and weeklies as well. These are two incredibly different games and they can coincide together, so that's awesome to see. Now, it's important to remember, if you want to be a part of future flights, you have to be a Halo Insider. They've been saying it on Twitter all the time, and I'll have that linked down below. You can go over there, connect your gamer tag. If you're on PC, you can send them a diagnostics file, 
and you'll be ready to go. Now let's talk about this PlayStation 5 SSD situation because it's something that has been discussed deeply over the course of the past few days, uh, and it's very interesting to see the overall response from the gaming community because so many people, number one, are engulfed in this tribalism between PlayStation and Xbox, and any kind of ammo that they can find online, they're going to use it to attack the other side, which is, again, a huge, trivial waste of time. I highly encourage anyone... If you're spending too much time on Twitter or other forms of social media, just throwing back and forth points and, and, and facts about your favorite gaming console, take a deep breath, delete the app, go outside, hell, maybe play some games and enjoy the console you've got. But the SSD situation is interesting because effectively, with the PlayStation 5, there are now supported drives that are officially coming from Seagate and Western Digital that have been approved by Sony for use in the PlayStation 5. Currently, external SSD additions are supported via beta. I'm sure it's going to be added to a future firmware update to make it official across the board. But the process of extending your storage between Xbox and PlayStation are two totally different worlds. Of course, for the Xbox Series X and S, you have a simple chip from Seagate that you insert into the back of your system. There is a port for it. It is the equivalent of a PlayStation 2 memory card. It's incredibly easy. I've had one since December. It works incredibly well. No hardware required. You just buy the chip and plug it in. With the PlayStation 5, you've got to pop off the shell. You've got to unscrew the SSD uh, storage port. Then you have to install the SSD in the same way that you would with a gaming PC. And then you screw it back together and you're good to go. Now, the PlayStation 5 documentation makes this out to be a bit more depending on the SSD that you've got. If your SSD doesn't have a heat sink, it tells you to install a heat sink, and there's plenty of documentation uh, that goes a bit deeper. Now, the people on Twitter have taken this and blown it out of proportion. I replaced the hard drive in my PlayStation 4 multiple times, uh, and while the PlayStation 5 could be a bit more complicated depending on the SSD that you get, uh, it does not seem to be that big of an issue. But... It's harder than it really needs to be. The PlayStation 5 very well could have come up with a better solution. Did they need to? That's still up for discussion. In comparison to Xbox's next-generation experience, the ease of access and the parity in price, uh, really, when you compare what the PlayStation 5 is bringing with Western Digital and Seagate to what Seagate brings to Xbox with their simple chip kind of system, it just makes Xbox look like a better value proposition because you don't have to open up your console, you don't have to install an SSD, you just plug it into the back of your Xbox. And while I could easily do the PlayStation 5 mini surgery to get the SSD in there, a lot of people aren't that confident. I'm somebody who's built multiple gaming PCs. I'm somebody who has spent their life uh, obsessed with technology. That's not that big of a deal for me. But for Somebody who buys their 12-year-old son a PlayStation 5 this holiday season, and then the kid runs out of space. Well, now they have to open up their PlayStation 5? That seems like a bit much for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. And so the ease of access is a huge win here for Xbox, and they've kind of, you know, poked some fun on Twitter over the course of the past couple of days. The marketing team has certainly uh, pulled a Sony whenever you weren't able to share games after the announcement of the Xbox One. They kind of flipped the script on that, and they're now using that in the marketing for Xbox. But overall, the 
Point is, you can extend the storage on both of these systems. Unfortunately, the PlayStation 5 is a bit more difficult. Is it as difficult as people are making it out to be? No. But the ease of access on Xbox Series X and S it just kind of makes it the clear winner, in my opinion. But that's part of the discussion, and that's part of your choice around which next-generation console you want to go with. Jumping ahead, let's talk about this new tweet from Daniel Ahmad that shows Microsoft's gaming division has reported a revenue of $15.37 billion in fiscal year 2021 between July 1st, 2020 and June 30th of 2021. He says it's the best year ever for Xbox, with revenue up 32.8% year over year, primarily driven by $2.3 billion increase in software and subscription revenue, and the Xbox Series X and S boosted hardware revenue by 90 2% year over year. Again, these are to be expected with the launch of a new generation of consoles, but the boomerang effect, the comeback from Xbox as compared to the last part of the Xbox One generation is monumental, and it shows because... Game Pass is such a powerful marketing tool. Game Pass is such a powerful tool for players to be able to dive in and experience games that they might not have otherwise played. I can tell you 100% that choosing an Xbox as my primary next generation console has enabled me to discover more games because I'm fully invested in the ecosystem. Right now, not only am I playing the Halo Infinite Test Flight, which isn't connected to Game Pass at all, but I've been playing The Ascent and I played A Plague Tale and I'm diving in and I'm playing Crimson Skies on the original Xbox. I've got Blinks installed that I'm going to dive into, Microsoft Flight Simulator. All of these games are included in the subscription. And so in the PlayStation side of things, while they have wonderful games like Returnal and like Demon's Souls and Miles Morales, those are very expensive experiences. And for the cost that is associated with those experiences, I could have so many months of Game Pass and so many games to play. That's the value proposition that Xbox is offering, and it's clear that more and more players are diving in. Xbox is investing heavily in creating a wonderful ecosystem to play in. And that is reflected in the year-over-year -year growth. This is an incredibly strong generation. Xbox is dominating. And I know this is an Xbox podcast, and I know that social media is going to make this out to be some kind of tribalistic, you know, uh, fanboy kind of statement. But from my perspective... Xbox is dominating PlayStation this generation. While PlayStation has more uh, recognition in terms of namesake, while PlayStation has more sales, when it comes to the actual experience, it seems like the tide is turning and Xbox is really winning players over because PlayStation has solid games so far this generation, but for the remainder of 2021, Xbox isn't bringing a monumental year, but PlayStation really doesn't bring anything in general. Uh, and so looking forward to the rest of the generation, this creates competition that is going to lead to innovation. And I've said that before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. PlayStation hasn't had competition up until this point over the course of the past six years or so. Now, they actually have somebody who is bringing the heat. They have somebody who is legitimately heating up 
bringing innovation, bringing new ideas, and improving the experience for players. And now they're forced to do the exact same thing. That's exciting for me. So stay tuned, more news to come, but Microsoft had a wonderful year with hardware growing 92% and $2.3 billion increase in software and subscription revenue. People are buying hardware and they're playing games. And that's exactly what number one, I like to see, but number two, Microsoft's like to see for their bottom line. Some sad news that we're diving into that's really more of a PSA. Forza Motorsport 7 is going to be delisted after just four years. That's not a lot of time, but it's something that a lot of fans have come to expect from Turn 10 and the team behind Forza. Because, as they write on Twitter, quote, Forza games have to go unlisted after several years because the third-party licenses that we use to feature real-world cars, tracks, and other elements will begin to expire. This is something that we saw with Forza Horizon 3. This is something that we'll see with Forza Horizon 4 eventually. And it's something that we'll eventually see with the forthcoming Forza Horizon 5. And it's something that is very, very unfortunate, but... It's important for the developers to get those realistic cars in there, to get those name brands in there, because no one wants to play with generic cars. It's very important to have these name brands, to have these very recognizable monumental locations in racing. And that's something that you'll see continue to be a uh, foundational part of Forza going forward, both in Horizon and Motorsport. But it's a sacrifice that they have to make. Now, I will say they are discounting this game deeply. It's less than 10 bucks right now over the course of the next couple of weeks. And it's going to go unlisted uh, by, let's see, the 15th of September, according to the official Eurogamer report here. So if you do want to dive in and check out Forza Motorsport 7, you can pay 10 bucks, get it installed. And of course, if you already own it, but you don't have it installed, you will still be able to download it from Xbox Live in the future or I should say the Xbox Marketplace, it just won't be listed on the store itself. Important to note here as well, Xbox Game Pass players who previously bought any DLC for the game will be sent a token to gain permanent access to the game. And if you have not received a token by the 2nd of August, you can contact Xbox support and get one on the way, says Ishrock Saban over at Eurogamer. So again, there you have it. The experience is still going to be available. You just won't be able to buy it outright. I will also say, if you do want to play the game, you can purchase a disc version of it. That's what a lot of people have done with Forza Horizon 3, and I'm sure that's what many people will do with Forza Motorsport 7. But it brings concern for the digital future, where so many games aren't getting physical releases. Whenever those eventually go away, assuming they do at some point in the future, this could become a huge problem for game preservation and for those that are collectors. Just throwing that out there. Now let's check out your games with gold for August of 2021, which once again is a pretty solid lineup. The August games with gold lineup is here, says the Xbox Wire. On the Xbox One and Series X and S, return to an apocalyptic Earth in Darksiders 3 and embark on an epic adventure in Ukulele. And for our classic lineup via backward compatibility, discover the hidden truths of Lost Planet 3 and become the ultimate fighter in Garu Mark of the Wolves. Darksiders 3 is available for the entire month of August. Ukulele is available from the 16th to September the 15th. Lost Planet 3 is available from August 1st to the 15th, and Garu Mark of the Wolves is available August 16th through the 31st. Overall, 
Solid lineup. Out of all of these, I'm excited to check out Darksiders 3 and Lost Planet 3 because I have some pretty fond memories with Lost Planet. It'll be nice to go back, redeem that, dive into it when I've got some downtime. And Darksiders 3 is a pretty loved entry in the franchise. Not the best, not the worst, but for the $60 MSRP value, hey, go ahead, dive in, pick it up for free with your Games with Gold or your Game Pass Ultimate subscription. Overall, not too bad of a month. To round out today's show, if you want an Xbox donut, I have good news for you. Krispy Kreme is getting in on the action. Unfortunately, it's only if you live in the UK. Uh, but a new limited edition Xbox donut is coming August 2nd through the 22nd. And according to IGN, quote, fans who pick up the promotional dozen in store or by click and collect will be able to enter into a prize draw to win one of 120 Xbox Series S consoles. Upon first entry to the completion, those taking part will also receive one month of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Of course, I'm sure that's the if you haven't signed up before, if you are a new member kind of thing. But this is a very cool marketing promo, and I will say that when I first saw these, I was immediately ready to drive down, pick one of these things up, uh, because whenever you have unique marketing in gaming, it's always something that's pretty cool, and this is absolutely one of those. I like the Xbox Donut much more than I like the Halo Pringles. I think that's kind of a better fit uh, when it comes to what the look is. Uh, but it's nice to see the collaboration here. And again, if you live in the UK and you want to pick one of these up, head down to your Krispy Kreme location between August 2nd and August 22nd and go ahead and uh, get a dozen or two. Hey, you never know. You could even win an Xbox Series S, which is, once again, a gorgeous looking console. That wraps up this week's episode of Exhibition, an Xbox podcast. A bit of a brief show today because I've got to head to a wedding in just a couple of hours, and I will be also going on vacation for a couple of days to get away towards the end of summer. So I'm looking forward to doing that and potentially playing some games in between falling asleep on the beach and rubbing my burnt ass with aloe. That's probably what's going to happen. Uh, but thanks for checking out this show. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button. Get the show delivered to your feed every single Sunday at 10 a.m. And on top of that, you can check me out at youtube.com slash jampacksam. But until next week, good luck to all of those in the Halo Infinite test flight. And remember, enjoy playing those games. I'll talk to you soon.